Welcome to YMBA, a podcast brought to you by UCLA Anderson. I'm your host, Alex Grodnick. Today's podcast is all about getting over the fear of doing something new. For Felicia Alexander, that fear was about leaving a steady job to pursue her passion for fitness and desire to start her own business. We'll walk through exactly what gave Felicia the confidence to do this and what was going through her mind as she made the jump. Without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. I'm Felicia Alexander, co-founder of Box Union Studio and chief revenue officer of Title Boxing Club. Great to have you here, Felicia. Let's start off with a bird's eye view on your career. Did you always imagine you would end up running a boxing gym? From a young age, I knew that I wanted to do something in the fitness space. And I always dreamed of having my own fitness studio. I would tell my friends in college that maybe I should take my student loans and just start a business. But it was much too practical and definitely a little too timid at the time to ever do something. So it percolated from a very young age and it was just a burning desire and need that I was finally able to pursue um, later on in my life. So you obviously overcame that initial fear. Now, how did you go about reducing that anxiety around starting your own business? I personally am happy to have gone on this entrepreneurial endeavor with another person. One, because he brings a set of skills that I don't have. Business school solidified the fact that like, I can read a balance sheet without my eyes rolling back in my head, but I don't love finance. And that is not an area where I excel. And I'm at this point in my life where I know people will sometimes say, well, you need to you know, develop your weaknesses. And my thought at this point is my life is I need to play to my strengths. And I can find people who are strong in areas where I'm weak. So as you leaned into your strengths and collaborated with a complementary partner, what else finally gave you the confidence to pursue your passion and start your own fitness company? So there was a couple of things. One was, you know, just thinking through a budget and understanding, you know, my runway of potentially not having any sort of income. The second was spending a lot of time studying the market. I was obsessed and still am with going to other fitness studios um, across the country as well as world when I travel to understand like, did I really think that we could do something that was differentiated and where there was a market? Another part of that was like, doing research on like the market opportunity and getting a hold of research reports. Um, Talking to other entrepreneurs, I have friends who have paved this path before me and hearing their honest conversations about the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur and being able to have like the right mindset. And then the last thing is going to sound so ridiculous but I always was worried about not working for a company because of health insurance. And in our country, health insurance is often very much tied to your employer. So I worried about you know how we were going to do that. But luckily, as I mentioned, I had friends who were entrepreneurs and they introduced me to their brokers. And while it's more expensive to pay for health insurance on your own, it is like not a reason to not pursue my dreams. So I would say a lot of due diligence as well as 
talking to other entrepreneurs is really what gave me the impetus, coupled with the fact that I felt like I was financially in a place where I could take this risk. Let's dive in to how you came to all these checkpoints that you just mentioned. How you got to the point where you said, okay, I've learned enough. I've acquired enough financially. I am ready to jump into the startup world. Let's take it all the way back and start with where you went to college and go from there. Yeah, I did my undergrad at Stanford University. And I was nervous about having a tremendous amount of student loans. My father had passed away suddenly my junior year of high school. I still had a younger sister who was um, in high school and had yet to go to college. So I was really thinking about my mom and my family's financial situation and very eager to be able to support myself. So I finished Stanford two quarters early. And um, the day after winter break, I started my first job working for Sun Microsystems. Sun Microsystems uh, stood for Stanford University Network. Their campus is now occupied by Facebook. And it was an unbelievably amazing experience. I had a wonderful set of bosses and mentors who really taught me so much about sales and marketing. Um, First and foremost, they taught me not to think of sales as a dirty word. For some reason, coming out of college, I would have never seen myself go into a sales position. And every single one of these very accomplished, amazing individuals told me, you know, if you really want to rise within a company, it's really important to spend some time in sales to really understand the plight of the customer and how our product and our offerings can meet their needs. They also said that it was important if marketing was a passion to be able to understand how to sell. So I started my career at Sun Microsystems working with a great group of people. I had a technology that I was given to work on. I got to spend a ton of time on the plane, talking to um, CIOs and CXOs of Fortune 500 companies, as well as well as really large international companies, trying to help them understand how this technology would play within their environment, establishing the reference wins, and securing the initial customers. From there, I followed my um, two of my bosses and went to an internet startup. Um, they had been at Sun quite longer than I had. I was at Sun for about three wonderful years. They had seen all their friends start to make it big off all of these um, dot-com companies that were soaring and doing incredibly well. Um, The company we went to work for did procurement software in the um, B2B space. It was a really interesting space to be involved in. I learned a ton and we did not have some sort of you know, big IPO. Instead, um, we were purchased by Accenture for our debts and liabilities. So quite the opposite. It was kind of the last saving grace before this company went under. Great background, Felicia. So you then moved on to work at Mattel, which is obviously a very different experience from your previous tech job. Talk us through that transition. I moved to LA, met my husband in the Bay Area, and moved to LA, kind of kicking and screaming. I 
you know, had really been passionate about working in the tech space and didn't feel like LA had anything to offer. So I made it my mission to get a job at Mattel. It was the only company I wanted to work for in Los Angeles. I still felt like I was early in my career and that there would be a lot of value working in a large company and being able to learn from others as well as work on a brand that was so recognizable. So I got a job um, after a lot of persistence. That story is actually hilarious. I did so much research and reconnaissance on Mattel. I sent my resume time after time again. I sent personal emails. And you know, for one reason or another, my background was not catching any of the you know crawlers and surfacing my resume. And I happened to be getting my haircut right around the corner from my apartment. And I look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the president of Barbie sitting in the other chair. And I asked my stylist, I said, by any chance, do you know this woman's name? And he told me it was Adrian Fontanella. And I immediately leapt out of my chair and I said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I am dying to work for Mattel. I've sent my resume. Here's a little bit about me. Um, she gave me her email. She connected me with like the head of HR who was really only recruiting C-level positions. And that was my foot in the door and my entree into the world of Barbie marketing, which is a very fun experience. I actually started Anderson while I was at Mattel. A classmate there who was um, also doing the FEMBA program at Anderson. She was a year ahead of me. And it was a perfect opportunity to really learn the world of consumer packaged goods, which was so incredibly different from the world of uh, Sun Microsystems and technology marketing. Wow. What an inspiring story. Let's take a step back because there's a lot to learn from this antidote. You never know when that opportunity that you've been waiting for is going to present itself. We hear the phrase, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Well, that is exactly what happened here. If Felicia had not prepared, built her career up, and studied the workings of Mattel so much so that she recognized the president in that hair salon, then this chance encounter would not have led to a job. She did have the preparation though, and the guts or the chutzpah to go out and ask for what she wanted. You only regret the opportunities that you don't take. Easier said than done, but wow. What an amazing example of these practices in action. All right, let's get back to the story. So Felicia, after your experience at Mattel, how did you end up at Sony? I got recruited to run a influencer marketing program on the Sony Pictures lot. I had a friend who was working for the group in New York. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Her boss had happened to be in LA. We sat down, chatted. Although I had no experience um, with consumer electronics, it was all you know very much enterprise level technology that I had worked on. We hit it off and she decided to take a chance on me. And I spent eight and a half years running a uh, influencer marketing program before social media platforms even existed. So it was all about connecting tastemakers, high net worth individuals to everything the world of Sony had to offer. Okay, great. So now that you've had all this varied experience under your belt, how did you finally make the leap to your startup? While all this is taking place, I am a fitness junkie and enthusiast. Like I am going to every place that 
opens. I am really getting into the boutique fitness scene. In college, I spent a disproportionate amount of my student loans on belonging to fitness facilities outside of campus. When I got my first job at Sun Microsystems, I belonged to a really high-end fitness facility. And it was something that I prioritized. It was a great way for me to you know, build and find community to make connections with people. While I was um, working at a, a boutique studio in LA, I had a real challenge trying to schedule my classes at the studio from my phone. And by the time I got back to my website, all the spots were built, um, were booked. So my husband ended up building a mobile app. Um, and that studio was their first was his first customer and then he went out to every other he was an entrepreneur and I was the one who had the steady paycheck that came every other week um, but my love of fitness helped him birth a really great business idea and this company was called fitness mobile apps uh, he ultimately sold that to a company called mind body which is the largest provider of um, scheduling software and member management software in the health and wellness space. So um, I like to think that's kind of like when I started to transition into the business of fitness, though I had nothing to do with his company on a day-to-day basis. Um, it was you know, a pain point and an idea. But him doing that really allowed me the opportunity to leave the corporate world and go pursue something that I was passionate about. So 2015, 2016, uh, my current business partner, Todd Wadler, who is a co-founder of an investment banking firm called Mollis & Company, um, decided that we wanted to leave the corporate world and come up with a fitness concept of our own. We went to the same boutique fitness studio in LA. We shared the same personal trainer. Um, and we really honed in on boxing. I put on gloves for the first time after my dad died of a heart attack when I was 16, Putting on gloves gave me a sense of power I didn't even know I had. And we felt like while boxing existed, we had an opportunity to really create an environment and experience and grow a market by introducing people to boxing that would have never considered putting on gloves before in their lives. So 2016, I quit my job, um, which was terrifying because I always had a paycheck and took the leap. And in April of 2017, much longer than I had anticipated, we opened the doors to Box Union in Santa Monica on Ocean Avenue. People told us we were absolutely crazy. What do two people that know nothing about the fitness industry, that can't even teach classes themselves, know about starting a fitness business? And oh, by the way, LA has plenty of places for you to work out already. Like You're entering a very saturated market. But it was met with great enthusiasm. And from there, we were able to raise money. We opened our second location in January of 2019 on Robertson across from the Ivy, kind of in between West Hollywood and Beverly Hills. Your story is so motivating, Felicia, especially the fact that you were able to power through the naysayers, the ones who thought your idea was too crazy and would never work. Well, no one thought Uber or Airbnb would work either. If 20 years ago, you were to say that in the future, people would get in random people's cars and sleep in random people's beds, you would call them crazy. Well, look what happens when someone knows that they have a great idea, fuels it with passion, and executes it with precision. Now, Felicia, your story up to this point takes us right up to about the time that COVID flipped our world as we knew it upside down. 
How did you handle this obstacle? In March of this past year, we were set to open our third location in Sherman Oaks when COVID happened and um, we ceased operations and closed our studios. Uh, We launched a digital subscription service shortly after our doors closed for in-person classes. That was unbelievable because we were now able to reach an audience across the globe and take something that was hyper local and have, you know, members be able to share it with their family members, their friends, their, you know, college classmates and really grow our audience. And then in September of this year we were approached by a much larger or September of last year we were approached by a much larger fitness boxing concept. Um they were looking to do a roll up and my business partner being the great investment banker that he is um, saw an opportunity and switched the tables. And at the end of December, we acquired Title Boxing Club, which is the largest franchisor in the fitness boxing space. So today we own and operate three box union studios in Los Angeles, two title boxing clubs in the Midwest, and we have 146 franchisees across 31 states. This is a masterclass in the ability to turn lemons into lemonade. I love the fact that you were able to turn a potential disastrous event, the shutdown of all your gyms, into an amazing growth opportunity. Now I'm curious, were there lessons that you learned at Anderson that helped you navigate your company in this way? A hundred percent. One of the best things we did at Anderson was the Gap Project, where we actually were partnered with a company that was trying to solve a real-world business need. I happened to be working at Sony at the time, knew a lot about the consumer electronics space. Um, We were partnered with an Australian company that was looking to launch a technology in the US. It was a technology that would basically be a server for all of your DVDs and movies. And as part of the process, you know, one, we had to divide and conquer roles and responsibilities. I went to Indianapolis for a big consumer electronics home automation show to study the competitive landscape. We interviewed potential customers, you know, we surveyed the market, we sized the market, and it was really fun to see it all come together and to be able to present something actionable and useful to our client. And what I really liked was the fact that we were taking things that we had learned in the classroom setting and be able to put it into action. Like I had a great college experience, but I can tell you there's a lot of what I learned in college that to this day I have never put into use in the real world. So the fact that we were learning different facets of the business, that my team was comprised of people who had skill sets that were different from mine also helped me realize what was really important as you know we started to build box union and wanting to make sure that we could surround ourselves with people who had disparate skill sets so that we could build a well-rounded team what an amazing lesson to learn henry ford once said i am not the smartest but i surround myself with competent people there is no reason to do it all by yourself And why would you when the end result will usually suffer as a consequence? Michael Jordan, as great as he was, needed Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and the rest of the team. No one, no matter how great they are, can do everything by themselves. Any additional advice for someone looking to take the leap and start their own company as you did? To anyone who is thinking about starting a business, it's you have to be 
the biggest believer and you have to be the biggest supporter because if you're going to rely on other people to cheer you along, you are going to be um, disappointed. And, you know, in fact, people who you think might be supportive might become, you know, naysayers. So you need to believe without a shadow of a doubt what it is you're doing and make sure that your why is big enough to fuel you when you're, you know, at your lowest point because it is a roller coaster ride and the highs are high and the lows are incredibly low. Today's episode was full of actionable advice for anyone looking to start their own company or land their dream job. Chief among them was the benefit of having a partner in crime and not just any partner, but a complimentary one that, as Felicia mentioned, allows you to focus on your strengths. The other piece of wisdom that Felicia touched on was the practice of not listening to the naysayers, the donters. If you believe in what you are doing and you've done the due diligence, as Felicia had, then you need to use the energy of those casting doubt on your project or ambition as fuel for your own success. Think of any great invention from the first airplane all the way down to putting air in a Nike shoe. Without a doubt, there were countless people in those inventors' inner circles that doubted and criticized their ventures. Never forget, good ideas are always crazy until they're not. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Stay with us this season on YMBA for many great stories to come. And be sure to check out Anderson on social media at UCLA Anderson. Thank you.